Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. We're the Normies and you're not, and on a special episode down by the river, we're talking all things Saturday Night Live. Not live from LA, it's Normies Like Us. Hit the jazz. Hi, I'm Lauren Michaels. I'm tired of living in a van down by the river. Well, isn't that special? We want to pop. You are the bears. And doggone it, people like me. Live from New York, it's Saturday night! Featuring Colin Brooks. Featured player Joe Asta. Musical guest Jacob Ebel. And your host, Mike Romans. We're back. Welcome back, Normies. Like we said up top, we're talking uh, Saturday Night Live on a very special episode. Not on a Saturday. Not live. Uh, How do you guys feel about that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, why are we talking about SNL? Have they been in the news recently or anything like that? Ooh, very good question. Very controversial <laughs> question, as we're going to find. Yeah, topical. But again, I would argue, you know, this is something I've been pitching as an episode. This is Colin here. Uh, as a as a episode for a little while, normies like us. We talk the niche. We talk the normie. Saturday Night Live is the normie of comedy, right? Like, uh, I'll True. ask you guys now, like, what's your, what's your history with Saturday Night Live? But kind of, you know, my more general question, is this your first comedy experience? Joe. Uh, I mean, I would I would qualify myself as as a more super fan for SNL. Uh, it was always like a tradition. Every weekend we would watch SNL in the house. Um, my cast was the Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin back when he was just a regular occurring host and not a weekly player. Um, those those were the guys like for me, a lot of like VHS and tapes of Adam Sandler as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say it was maybe the first exposure to like this type of comedy and something that I've stuck with my whole life. It's incredible. Very. Yeah. Um, if I can jump in, this is Mike. Yeah. My experience is kind of more, I guess, casual. Like I'm not a super fan, but you know, I was big into the Chris Kattan era with Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, uh, that kind of stuff. I also enjoy like the Mike Myers era, Chris Farley, and even earlier, uh, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Coneheads, and the Samurai Baker and all that stuff. They should probably bring it back with Baker Mayfield. You get Samurai Baker Mayfield. Oh, oh shut yeah. up, Mike. <laughs> Terrible idea. I like the movies actually more like than the show. I like I really enjoy Night at the Roxbury. That's like one of my like cult favorites. Like a, if you can have a personal cult favorite and like Ladies Man. Uh, Wayne's World obviously is super great. So I'm a fan of those. Superstar. We'll talk about those later. But that's kind of my background. Yeah, for me, uh, it's, it's interesting. We were all talking about eras because... Um, I remember the at like the Adam Sandler era and Chris Kattan and uh, those those eras as well. But I didn't really like watch it a lot during that time. I was a little younger and I just wasn't like I wasn't watching it week to week. But the era that I really remember the most that sticks with me is kind of like the mid to late 2000s, like the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler getting into like Bill the Adam Hader. Sandler or not Adam Sandler, uh, Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island and all that stuff. So that's really the era that I remember most. But I do remember certain like Adam Sandler bits and stuff. And then I remember the Will Ferrell, Chris Kattan era for sure. But I was never super into it as a kid. But I think my first 
comedy experience like this was probably watching all that. All on, uh, that. There we go. Because yeah. my question was going to be to somebody like Mike who wasn't watching that, or maybe even to you, Jacob, who wasn't catching it live, like you were saying, were you doing something like Mad TV, but you just fucking figured it out, man. All of that is our Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like Saturday Night Live for kids, right? And uh, yeah, I was. I, and I who does that. it star exactly that might have a connection to Saturday Night Live? Oh Mars yeah, uh, yeah, Keenan Thompson. Been doing uh, improv his whole life, but uh, yeah, all that was great, and it's actually getting rebooted soon, um, which is crazy. But uh, that SNL, I wasn't too much into it as a kid because I my family didn't really watch it or anything like that. But I did catch bits of it, and then later in the two thousands, I did start watching it more often. See, I remember thinking like, oh, all that, that's for kids. I watch SNL, even though I was no like way, Joe. 10. You weren't tuning into Nick <laughs> watching all that. No, I, I remember like, they did like an ad campaign where like if you watched an episode of all that and and laughed, they would shave your head and like the joke being or, you know, the thing being like you can't watch it without laughing. I remember as a kid thinking like I could do that. I don't I don't laugh at any of this. It was a try not to laugh challenge uh, yeah. before. <laughs> Back yeah. in the day. Uh, yeah, I think all that was probably my first exposure to Coolio. <laughs> oh, um, God. <laughs> But, you know, they, that's, that kind of shows how big SNL was to where it was such a big, like, kind of genre. You ended up with Mad TV and then even, like, a spin-off kids version, which was all that. And then some of those kids, like you said, Keenan Thompson made it to the main cast of SNL. So hugely influential probably on, on their yeah, career. Yeah, I wasn't... Kind of jumping on my history here, guys. Uh, Colin, uh, I don't know if you guys shared my same thing where we were watching it live. Like, my dad was like, yo, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. These are the coolest comedians of my day. Do you know Bill Murray? He's in that Ghostbusters movie. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're fucking tricking me. I get it. But, uh, like, was No Coke Pepsi super funny to you guys? No, like, not as a kid, not (laughs) even now. Like, the thing about SNL is it's very timely. It does get dated, right? Yeah, I'm somewhat embarrassed because I never really saw any of the super old, like, the original cast. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with their other works, you know, Bill Murray and John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, but I... I've never like seen those, you know, Gilda yeah. Radner. Oh. I've never seen those on like DVD or anything like that. So I'm not super familiar with the old bits and stuff that they used to do, but really SNL for me started with like the, like the mid nineties, like Adam Sandler and stuff. Totally. See, I Same. Love Mike the, Myers, the Michael Dana Myers, Carvey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I actually Ruby remember baby. Dana Carvey's like George H.W. <laughs> Bush impression. That's like one thing that stuck with me as like a young kid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very cool fact too, Jacob, because I almost jumped earlier to say, oh, when Jacob's talking about the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler era being sort of the coolest, isn't that when you could argue SNL kind of got its most political when they're doing the, uh, you know, the introduction of the character that is Sarah Palin, right? right? Well, you know, during that time, a lot of people, I mean, people have been complaining since like the first year, maybe that like, oh, it's not as good as it used to be, right? Like every new generation, there's like, oh, it's not as good as it used to be. People were saying during that era, it's not as good as it used to be. I actually think that era is in some, I mean, now I'm saying like this era is not as good as it used to be, but I think that era actually really holds strong. Like the whole Sarah Palin, I can see Russia from my house. Like that's kind of like iconic now. Yeah. Uh, oh, Absolutely. 
even the era before that, there was like Ross Perot was a, yeah. a recurring character. Mike, and stuff but too. that's the main point. You know, SNL's always been political. You have Dana Carvey as yeah. Ross Perot and George H.W. You have Will Ferrell with his incredible George right. W. Bush that gets a one man show spinoff. I mean, you know, you've got oh, Chevy absolutely. Chase playing uh, Gerald Ford falling over. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's always <laughs> right, been political. Right. I will s- throw out there that, well, first of all, I think this current. Uh, iteration of SNL is probably the least funny that it's ever been and, and least amount of talent on screen. And I uh, think particularly their political stuff is some of the least funny stuff I've ever seen from SNL. So I'm, I'm sorry I have to go hard on current hold day on. SNL. It's not, it's not huge. It's not huge in your opinion. No, I, don't, I think Alec Baldwin does a decent job with his Trump impersonation, but it's just like, do we really need to see, do we really have to have like Robert De Niro come out and like stumble through his lines as, as Robert Mueller. Like, is that really like what the people want? Yeah. And Jacob, that like hits my biggest problem with it is, you know, the, the thing that made SNL special or makes SNL special is having the cast take over these roles. When you bring in like Robert De Niro and Alec Baldwin every week, it's like Ben, Ben Stiller, another one. Yeah. can't we just have the people who are on the show right. do this? I mean, not of a, a, a famous person. They had every to bring time. in Alec Baldwin because they Matt Damon yeah. really didn't one. have a person that like could do a decent Trump, so they had to bring in Alec Baldwin. But it's like, like maybe hire some people that can do that. I don't know. Yeah, or just like have Leslie Jones do it and do something like different. You know, like it doesn't have to be someone who does <laughs> a spot on. Um, they have, you know, speaking, like I said, speaking of bringing in people who have different skill sets there has been in the news, uh, you know, kind of some new cast members added and then also subtracted. I don't know if we want to jump into that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is worth saying. Um, so we're in the summer cycle while we're not actually getting SNL. Uh, do you guys remember like two years ago when they tried to do weekend update weekly during the summer? That was an interesting experiment, but no, none of that anymore. But we're at the period where... I did not where, see that experiment. Uh, it was the worst. But we are at the period where Lauren is literally going around to every local theater on the planet, like uh, iOS, UCB, um, uh, all the clubs in New York, Second City, everything like that. And he's seeing stand-ups. He's seeing people who do improv, skits, sketches, characters. Uh, and he got two people. He got Chloe Fineman, who's known sort of more for like internet stuff. She does have some more uh, improv background as well. Bowen Yang, who uh, the first Asian American uh, performer on the cast, super cool, already a writer. Uh, He's appeared in the background in some sketches. In fact, last season he played Kim Jong Un in in the background of a skit. Uh, And then let's talk about the big one, Shane Gillis, (laughs) the Mm. big one. Well, it is ironic that um, you know, obviously he's getting in trouble now for saying you know, certain racist things about Asians on podcasts and stuff. And so in the same, you know, hiring cycle that they hired, it's ironic because you're about to do that (laughs) Asian cast member that they have. So also a cast member that's said racist things against Asians. So ironic. Yeah. Two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. But, uh, he did. I mean, the news just broke yesterday that he did. He is not going to be on SNL. Um, so that he's gone. Yeah. He is, he is perfectly removed. <laughs> Let me ask you this flat up top, all three of you guys, though. Were you familiar with Shane Gillis at all before this? I was not. No. Oh, I'd no, never I, I hadn't heard of him, but I found out after, like when all this news came out, that he had been on some podcasts that I've, that I've heard of. So I do know of some of the podcasts that he's been on, but I haven't heard of him. Um, 
But what I, I, for me personally, like, it's not going to matter. Like, honestly, like he's going to have a Netflix special, like within the year that's going to be called like triggering snowflakes or something. And then, you know, he'll just maintain his popularity <laughs> yeah. through that. So good, good going SNL. He'll just have to, yeah, shift to a different audience of like, yeah, because it's really, I mean, it's 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 all playing into this larger debate that's going on now with with the Dave Chappelle special coming out of like, oh, cancel culture, PC culture, all this, and it's just like I'm so over like all of that, like it's like I'm just so annoyed by the whole thing. Yeah, and then you have like Rob Schneider yeah. like chiming in, yeah, it's like. like I feel bad for everyone. Yeah, fuck Rob Schneider. Shut the fuck up, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider's like, please even remember Norm me. Even Norm MacDonald, who like, I really <laughs> like Norm MacDonald as a comedian, even he said something on Twitter and was like, oh, so blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, not you too, Norm. Hold on, here's See, my Rob. About, like, Making controversy. He's not a normie like us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you talk um, about like Norm and, and Tina Fey and Colin Jost and like Weekend Update. That's always how I gauge SNL is through who was doing Weekend Update at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. And actually, a lot of times they're like the head writer. Like Tina Fey was the head writer during her era. And now uh, Michael Che and Colin Jost are like the head writers. And I th- think that's a particular reason why it's not very funny now, because I don't think that Michael Che and Colin Jost are very funny personally, but oh, he doesn't like <laughs> sorry, him. Michael Che. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to come on. Um, the other thing too now is like, you know, we, we haven't really been stoked on like Alec Baldwin's Trump or stuff like that. And Keenan Thompson has done it a couple of times too, but, um, it's like political satire, like isn't landing because politics are satire yeah. now on their own. Yeah. Mike, you really so hit it right. there, Mike. That's really true. It's and like, like yeah, the bits so don't even seem like, yeah, it's like bits. truth is stranger than fiction now. So like, how can you even make fun of something when it's so ludicrous already? You can't exaggerate any more than we have already an exaggerated president. It's insane. <laughs> a lot of the times it just felt like the bits were just rehashing all of the news that week. Like there weren't even jokes added. It was just yeah. like, remember when this happened? That's actually exactly what like I was going to say. Conference? It's like, they're just re like they're reenacting the news, but they're not really adding any comedy to it. They're just like, like this is what happened. We got Matt Damon to play fucking, you know, what's his name? Kavanaugh. Great. Well, hold on. Yeah, but if like I asked you guys right now who your favorite past host was, you wouldn't say the current uh, commander in chief. <laughs> well, that was a particularly <laughs> low point, I think, in SNL history, really, um, because it's like how- a low point. He he had a show on NBC as well. <laughs> but are you talking about the most like the time that he hosted right before? No, the but I'm, yeah, but I'm just saying he's always been affiliated with that network. No, no, no. Obviously, it was way after that. And, you know, Arnold had always already, thank God, taken over The Apprentice. Right. But it's like they right. had him on like before the 2016 election as a host. And that was a particularly bad episode. Um, but it's just like it's like, how can you. OK, so now they're they're you know, do all this anti-Trump stuff. But how can you do that when you basically propped him up before the election and, and had him on as a host? Like it's a little hypocritical. And have him dancing to a parody of Hotline Bling. Yeah. I don't know if having a host means like they advocate his current policies. I mean, they're in the ratings game as well, as much well, as any other form of entertainment. Also, it was a joke to them at the time. You know what yeah. I mean? It was like, oh my God, he's running for president. That's not going to last. Let's throw him on us. But it's more that they just this, normalized you know, him. You know, striking when the iron's I fired. mean, Jimmy Fallon did the same sure. thing. Like Jimmy Fallon had him on and was like, you know, messing with his hair and stuff. It's like you're just normalizing him to, you know, hit, I don't know. 
I'm just upset that he caused my commute to be longer getting home from work today. Um, this is not uh, the, the, the president cast, though. We're talking the SNL. What do you say we go ahead and jump into kind of the history legacy and we'll go uh, talk the show, you know, the cultural icon that is Saturday Night Live. All right. One, two, three, four. Come in here for a second, please. That, that was going to be a great track. Guys, what's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell. We're back, Normies. We're talking Saturday Night Live, uh, and which is, of course, to get a little history of it, a live late-night comedy variety show which was created by Lorne Michaels, premiering on NBC on October 11th, 1975. The first host, I don't know if you guys saw this first episode, was George Carlin. He did not interact in skits or sketches. What he did instead was just stand-up comedy in between acts. All right. Yeah. I didn't know George Carlin, uh, you know, rest rest his soul, was uh, the first host of SNL. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a cool fact. Yeah, and he's not doing, like, his uh, famous swear words or anything like that. He's just kind of doing, like, you know, like, <laughs> right. hey, can you believe this? Uh, I remember one very famous joke was him saying, why are there no blue fruits? <laughs> I remember just being like, oh, yeah, that is interesting. I don't know. What about um, blueberries? No, that oh, doesn't count. They're God. purple. He brings it up in the whole skit. He's like, blueberries, those are purple. They should be called purple berries. <laughs> uh, it's very interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, and yeah, then yeah. other than that, you had Billy Preston up top playing piano, who was famous for like being the fifth Beatle, essentially. Working with the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was a black guy with like a huge fro who would like play on every one of their albums, the piano. And they were like, you're kind of the fifth Beatle. And he was a super cool guy. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, then very cool. the closer was Janice Ian, who was that chick who who wrote that like really sad folk song, like uh, "I hurt myself at 17, <laughs> where you're like, oh, and it's like a super weird moment of Saturday Night Live history, where after mm-hmm. all this fun and laughter, they cut to her basically almost crying as she sings this song. <laughs> yeah, that's totally a lot different from what it evolved into. It sounds like, yeah, not the highest high. Not ready for prime time, you might say. Exactly. <laughs> Jacob, you bring up a great point. That is what the players were billed as, the not ready for prime time players. That was the ensemble. You had uh, mostly Chicago and Canadian improv stars. You had Dan Aykroyd, who had already appeared on SCTV at that point, who was like, yeah, Lauren, I'll come over and do your dumb NBC show. That'll probably last a season. Yeah. Uh, big mistake. Not a mistake. I mean, it's, you know, it ended up being huge. But yeah, who, who could have anticipated, I guess, especially when you're looking at this opening slate, that it would become a launching pad for like many people's careers, or at least right. like it becomes like if you make it there, like now, you know, you're off to the races. And they had Chevy Chase, too. And then he basically didn't get along with anybody and left after like two seasons. Right. No, yeah, that's community. Can you imagine being like, <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Like, I was about to say everything in his life. Yeah. I was about to say, can you imagine <laughs> being a such a jerk that you have to leave the show, but you just brought it up. He's done that on every show he's ever been on. <laughs> so I said he needs a vacation. <laughs> oh, man. Terrible. So SNL, I mean, like we, we kind of talked to the beginning, right? I mean, there's 
there's eras and seasons and everything. Yeah. So, Colin, I mean, what's what's like your favorite era? Where where are you? That's an interesting question, Mike. Because thing? if you go to the lists where you're like, what's the best of? They'll break it down not by era but by cast member, and we are over 150 individual cast members at this point. I mean, again, you're talking eras. You could have just that first season where it's Chevy Chase and all the other primetime or not ready for primetime players. And then the second season where he's out and Bill Murray comes in. I mean, that's a totally different era because the way that Bill Murray and Jim Belushi were interacting with each other was totally different than Chevy Chase. You know, it was like crazy different. Yeah. And then after after that kind of first era, they had basically kind of a lull period, right, for a while. And Lauren actually left the show for like five years. And then basically the only thing I remember really from that era was that they had Eddie Murphy and like Eddie Murphy was the star. And like, I can't even remember like anyone who was on at the time and then Eddie Murphy was on. I just know like that's basically he came on, he was like 20 years old or something. And he just became a superstar just from being on SNL basically. But he was carrying that show for like a good five years. So what's what's the breaking point then? What kind of... What put it over the top to become kind of like the staple, like go to Saturday night show in America? I would say, you know, by that time, that second season where it really got its groove, people were turning in to see Belushi be the samurai, you know, to to see him do sushi, to see him uh, be the killer bees. Like, again, like, it's so interesting to talk about, like, what the hits of it all were. Uh, and, you know, even the stuff that, like, Jacob was just bringing up. I love the Eddie Murphy stuff. I don't know, like, what your guys' childhood, like, revolved around about those stand-up specials, particularly, like, Delirious and stuff that he did after SNL. I think that's kind of maybe Mm -hmm. a generation above us. But if you listen to that, you know, again, like, so many people bring up, like, oh, well, you know, if if, if Eddie Murphy was saying this stuff, he wouldn't be allowed to be on Saturday Night Live now. Like, it's just, I don't know. Again, it's a different time. Eddie Murphy was saying different things, speaking a different truth. And, uh, yeah, it's know. definitely a different different era, I guess. Like, you know, so, I mean, you, you could get a lot away with a lot more stuff back then because, you know, like certain minorities didn't have as much as, as much like power or, uh, as much of a voice as they do now so it's more like you know i see that as a good thing that you can't just say whatever you want anymore you know and you know with entertainment comes you know with whatever you're making know your audience and it's just there's a different audience now in, in this generation it's just different yeah. jokes will be taken differently and that's even re- ignoring the politics of it whichever you stand it's just there's a different kind of appetite um for comedy and what people are willing to accept jokes about Right. Well, like I was saying, I was t- telling Mike earlier, like, basically, I feel like there's there's a difference between saying, making controversial or edgy jokes and just like being straight up racist. And like, there's a, there's a line and like, you may not know where the line is, but you'll most people can tell like when you've crossed that line and when you haven't. And it's like, you got to take it on a case by case basis. But I really think it should be obvious to most people like the whole Shane Gillis thing. Like if you listen to the transcripts of what he was saying, like, it's not even really that funny. It's just very stereotypical Asian humor. And it's like, what, what are you really adding? Like, you're not Dave Chappelle. Okay. Like sit down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also like the argument of like, Oh, you know, I was learning. It was a long time ago. It was like fucking nine months ago. I mean, it wasn't, yeah, yeah, it it wasn't in 2010 that you did this. Yeah. It's not like they dug up like the first tweet he made when he was, you know, 
19 years old. It's pretty right. con- current. So I think they made the right call. I mean, you know, especially if you're onboarding some some new cast members, you can't have uh, that kind of to- potential toxicity between um, those creatives. So, Hey, yeah. can I go back, though? Can I hit you guys with? So because I do want to hear like not even just favorite yeah. eras, like let's individually hit some just like highlights, favorite cast members, favorite sketches. I'm going to hit you with the most hipster answer of all fucking time to what you asked me, Mike. What is my favorite Saturday Night Live performer, yeah. entity, creation ever to exist? About to blow your mind here. The Muppets, baby. Yes, wait, Colin. I was wait. dying to talk about this. So were they hosting or ah. did they come from SNL? What do I not know? Oh, Mike. So check it out. Uh, I don't know if you do know this. For the entire first season, Jim Henson was a local sat- New York guy who hung out doing performances in black box theaters making puppets. So Lauren Michaels huh. is like, hey, weird dude. Again, it's a variety show. You know, they've got music. They've got comedy. They've got, you know, everything going on. He's like, well, I could yeah. use like a weird like sideshow act to like fill five ten minutes he he hires jim henson to do the land of gorch do you guys know what that is it was the muppet skit every week on saturday night saturday night what yeah that is niche to normie normies this is amazing for me because you know (laughs) i'm a huge like jim henson fan like you know grew up on dinosaurs ninja turtles you know dark crystals like back on netflix like i love jim henson my childhood was shaped by him and i didn't know that he got his start you know, essentially through SNL. That's amazing. Now, look at it this way, dude. And you're thinking like, oh, you mean Jim Henson made puppets for this Land of Gorge during it? No, no, no. I'm talking about he premiered Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog on SNL, dude. Like, how crazy is that? And when you think about the Muppet... Oh, yeah. And when you think about the Muppet Show, look at the format of it. Kermit is putting on Saturday Night Live every week. He is the Lauren Michaels of it. I never exactly. thought about that. But you look at the intro and the way the Muppet Show is formatted. Yeah, that's that's mind blowing. He's running around trying to put a show together every week. People are like, "Hey, this is blowing," but uh, Mark Hamill's here and he's ready to do Pigs in Space, and, and Kermit's like, <laughs> <laughs> "That might be my favorite thing," and I just learned it. I'm so glad you brought up the Muppets, Colin. Like that is, I think, really, really special to highlight. Like it was a variety show at the beginning. You had stuff like Andy Kaufman, uh, weird musical acts, and then the Muppet Show like took that and ran with it. And even the revival in the '90s, I thought, was so awesome, where they really leaned into yes. the popularity of SNL. And you had like Fozzie doing the bit where he was warming up the crowds. I just love all that stuff, man. Tied so closely to the history of the show. Oh, and he would always bomb when he uh, tried to warm up the crowd. Yeah. Can I tell you one great story real quick? One time, and this is maybe the most decent thing Chevy Chase ever did. One time, because Saturday Night Live is a live broadcast, the land of Gorch uh, was not ready. The Muppets were not there. Jim Henson was running late with Frank Oz. They could not make it to the show to operate them. And uh, Chevy Chase went out to the Land of Gorge practical set and just put his hands up and just did a, a live improvised puppet show with his hands. People loved it. Oh, wow. man. That's, That's awesome. Cool. It'd be hard to Chevy Chase that act. Ooh. Well, if we're, if we're talking about uh, specific moments or specific, you know... Uh, Highlights. Uh, highlights. I did want to bring up one uh, iconic moment that we probably all remember. So back in uh, 1992, do you remember when Sinead O'Connor was Sinead on? Sinead O'Connor. Oh, yeah. We all remember watching that I almost brought this up in the intro. 
Yeah, so I did she, not. So bring me up to speed on Sinead that. Sinead O'Connor came on as a musical guest, um, did her song, and at the end of the song, she held up a picture of the Pope, uh, Pope John Paul at the time, and ripped it up and threw it and said, "Fight the enemy," because she was protesting sexual abuse in the Catholic in the Catholic Church, right? And everyone hated her for it. Like it was huge. Like if you yeah, want to talk that about that, never culture, ended like, up being a problem. Canceled. Yeah. No, like, everyone hated her, and she was right. No, she was right. No, obviously the, the church thing. never did anything wrong. They were always right. <laughs> oh, there man. was no and history was of nine, sexual abuse. <laughs> that was nine years before the church oh, first no. publicly um, acknowledged any issues. So, but she basically got canceled. If you really want to talk about cancel culture, but um, I just thought that was that's an iconic moment. But uh, people really hated her for that, and she was right the whole time. She what received a, a lifetime ban for that. She's never been invited back. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? That's wild. So I just Joe. want to bring up that, uh, you know, iconic moment there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, besides the Muppet uh, thing that you, you do, is there like, do you have a favorite, like, SNL? Because I feel like I'm the most normie on this, but I do have an opinion, but I want to hear what no, your, I'll say like, highlight if, if we're is. truly going to say the greatest cast member of Saturday Night Live time, and I'm amazed we haven't said his name yet, Mike, you're allowed to be the normie because he's still around for all of us. I would say it's Will Ferrell, baby. Like, Will Ferrell movies are so important to comedy fans, right? Well, are we talking the the best cast member while they're on the show or just their entire body work in general? Yeah, because then I would you could say, say like Bill Murray had a, has, you know, a huge eclectic yeah, body uh, work. But what are Bill Murray's recurring characters that's better than the Spartan cheerleader baby or the fact that at the time he, you know, everybody talks about the at the Andy Samberg um digital short era. They did not invent yeah. digital shorts. You you might be surprised to hear. The head writer of the time of that season did a little director known as Adam McKay, uh, who who was a lifetime partner with Will Ferrell from that moment out. Yeah. Wow. And then they Ivy. developed Funny or Die, right? Yeah, I'm voting Die on that, think, though. <laughs> Back when I it was think, like TV Funhouse, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the TV Funhouse got the ambiguously gay duo. Yeah, that's Robert Smeagol, that who's, of course, <laughs> most famous for Triumph the Insult comic dog on Conan. Right. I mean, the coolest, right? All these people have been around for so long. Yeah. Um, well, if we're, I'll we're, say, if we're throwing out yeah. best cast members, oh, sorry, I was going to say, you got to throw Michael Myers in there. I mean, he had more iconic characters than maybe almost anybody else. You know, if you're talking about Wayne's World, you're talking about, you know, all his other ones. <laughs> or that we can't forget about. No, <laughs> Wayne's World, Scottish um, salesman. Uh, you know the the verklempt lady. Who who was that? Who would to like? Oh, I'm so verklempt. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. And then there's the you kind of look at the other side because you know a lot of times with comedians there's kind of like um, a little bit of a darker side to some of these these very talented people and you got to talk you know chris farley and john belushi uh, you know they were very talented you know the star that burns twice as bright burns out twice as fast they say you know so th- those were some special performers and it's just tragic that that's right. we didn't get them for longer because you know chris farley van down by the river oh yeah the that's... whole um chip and dales thing is like some of the greatest like physical comedy i've ever mm. witnessed yeah, and then even his movie work with like Tommy Boy and stuff too is, is his classic. David Spade stuff is great. Yeah, Black yeah. Sheep. Yeah, come on, yeah. movies. Yes, yes, yes. But Joe, would you say is Chris Farley better than Will Ferrell? 
I would. Uh, and here's my <sighs> argument. I think what makes a cast member, Will Ferrell, I would put way up there, but what makes a cast member really special is not so much the characters that they bring to the table, but being the glue that holds the show together. Um, mm. Being able to be thrown into any sketch and make it work is more important, in my opinion, than being the person stealing the show. So, like, that's my like point. Take. And that's why I like someone like a. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I think maybe. I mean, I like I like Seth Meyers in the more modern era, kind of for that. Oh, oh yeah, I was going to say, is, yeah, no, hundred percent. I don't know. Maybe that's kind. Hey, no, I'm thumbs down. Here's what I would say. So Jacob's highlighting that era of incredibly strong women of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler mm-hmm. uh, and the likes, and and literally Maya Rudolph. I mean, you know, one of the most yeah. unsung out of all, incredible. But Kristen the Wig. white, yeah, Kristen Wiig. Come on, but the white guys who got a. TV late night deals off of that Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers. No way. <laughs> Fucking riding the coattails of these incredible Jimmy comics. Jimmy Fallon is probably one of the most overrated ever SNL. Yeah. I mean, well, he Jimmy was just Fallon was the breaking in every skit. Right? Yeah. The joke of every sketch he was in was that he couldn't be in a sketch without ruining it. Like, yeah. yeah. He would always crack. So the name I was just blanking on earlier is a glue guy, like you were saying, Bill Hader. I feel like Bill Hader could really Love get into Bill any Hader sketch too. and just be the glue that holds it together it's hey um, that's easy ooh. name to forget he's not really doing much right now obviously he's really flying <laughs> no, under he's the great. radar I love oh no show. hold on is he having like a huge movie resurgence and tv renaissance <laughs> no no yeah he's great i'm he's pretty great. sure i said jim belushi uh, kate mckinnon so all according to jim oh kate mckinnon the best who's that joe Kate McKinnon is another person that I think does that really oh, well absolutely. like you could throw her into any sketch and she will make it work yeah, Kay McKinnon, hands down, the best that's currently on the show. I mean, I really don't think the current cast is like a huge like talent pool or anything, but Kay McKinnon is like hands hands down above anybody on the on the show now. Has she played half the Republican Party at this point? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think so. And her, and her impressions are amazing. I mean, uh, fucking that. What's that guy's name? Um, Jeff Jeff Sessions. Her Jeff Sessions. Uh, impression his little hilarious. elf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have seen her Jeff Sessions. That's very good. Hey, can I point out a flip side to you guys, though? And I want a weighed opinion on this. So we're talking about highlights. Uh, this is kind of a special highlight I want to bring up because Jacob brought up, well, you, you got to bring up Mike Myers. So right next to him, who's our boy? We're talking Dana, Dana Carvey. Carvey. Thank you. We're talking, mm-hmm. obviously, his longtime partner. Wouldn't you say, and this is the point I want to make, worst career outside of SNL? For sure, hands down. He made the worst movies. Wayne's World's the only thing he ever did. Yeah, the Master of Disguise. Maybe the worst uh, side associated to Broadway uh, productions, (laughs) which is, of course, uh, Lauren Michaels Production Company. Nah, Master of Disguise, bro. That is (laughs) great. The turtle. He looks like a turtle. turtle. It's not the turtle. I believe his see, name is Pistachio Disguisey. Oh, I only remember it because as a kid, I remember thinking, wow, this might be the moment I'm too old for something. In the theater, <laughs> yep. I remember thinking that. Colin, I did not see that. I would not see that. I thought we were too old for it. it I saw it by myself. My older brother wouldn't go with me, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, won't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would I argue Chris Kattan. Like- 
is probably the worst. What do you got? You got Corky Romano and then bit rolls and some other Yeah, movies. but even yeah. he's starring in those. He's making a couple. And then you've got Rob Schneider. People could argue the same. Rob Schneider's being the buddy in every kind of genre movie he wants to he's make. He's still got but a show on at, Netflix, too. Yeah, yeah. there you go. But you look at Dana well, Carvey. Rob Schneider just... Like, just oh. Yeah, Rob Schneider just, you know, rode Adam Sandler's coattails for, for a while, but... Yeah, I mean, he's got a whole production company of buddies who just rode his coattails. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was never a big Chris Kattan fan, I gotta admit. Like, I just don't really like Chris Kattan very much. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> oh. I just love A Night at the Roxbury. Like, that's a classic. That was good. Classic. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, that's yeah. a classic. But, like, he can't stand without Will Ferrell the same right. way Dana Carvey can't stand without Mike Myers. However... Don't you dare say that Rob Schneider, Deuce Bigelow, stands on his own two feet, all right? Uh, that doesn't count. But, Mike, hold on. No, no. Because you just <laughs> he is, let us... He's rated, yeah. <laughs> you just let us down the perfect <laughs> rabbit hole here. Because I want to talk about... These are the feature film spinoffs of actual skits of Saturday Night Live. So, you just perfectly gapped us here. You said, well, hold on. Are you saying Night at the Roxbury isn't good? A, that counts. And then you said, Deuce Bigelow. No, that does not count. That stars an actor mm-hmm. who came from Saturday Night Live. Are you seeing the distinction there? It has to yeah. be a sketch that right. was on SNL that became a full-fledged well, movie. So obviously Wayne's World is the greatest SNL to movie transition I th- ever. I right? think so. I think so. But let me, if you guys had to guess, how many would there be? Because in your in your mind, in the zeitgeist that is the niche to normie that is Saturday Night Live, you're like, well, hold on. I love like that one that stars Will Ferrell. I love this one. Adam Sandler's in like 60 movies. How many would you say actually are skit adaptations? I feel like there's a lot. Like I think 20. I've 20. I think I've seen four or five, and then I know there's two that I never saw. So like seven? Are we counting sequels? We're counting sequels. I'll say thirteen. That's I'm my saying twenty. Guess. I think there's a lot that we're not remembering. Oh, uh, okay. So count, uh, I'm giving it to Joe here because we are playing prices right. You did go over Mike, but you were the closest almost, but Joe gets it with his seven. There's 11. So I'll oh. list them off for you guys right here. You got Blues Brothers, of course, the classic, the first ever spinoff of it. Wayne's World, Coneheads, Wayne's World 2, It's Pat, Stuart Saves His Family, Blues Brothers 2000, A Night at the Roxbury, Superstar, The Ladies Man, MacGruber. Oh, what a list, guys. And now oh, I, MacGruber. And now I have to admit that I didn't know Blues Brothers originated on SNL. Oh, oh yeah. It, again, we're talking Norman. variety show. Uh, you know, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd used to say, we love old blues men, which was, you know, they were talking about a very certain thing. And they were <laughs> like, why can't we play those characters? Again, very questionable. And they would come out in between musical acts and they'd play the harmonica and do standards. Like they would do the huh. blues songs. Wow. Yeah, I think with, with these movies, like as the sort of SNL normie, like I think I saw some of these movies before I started watching SNL. Like I didn't know Wayne's World was from SNL. I didn't know Blues Brothers. I didn't know Roxbury was SNL. I just watched those movies and only later found out, oh, there's whole sketches. So then I, I started watching those. Maybe that was my entry point because, you know, I really like the Wayne's World characters and the Coneheads. And that kind of pulled me, I think, towards the show itself. But I saw the movies first. Coneheads is one that I think is so crazy um, because it was not an era of SNL I was watching, but I remember that movie and you had like Dan Aykroyd doing it again. But it was, I think, like 
like 20 years, years after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it was like 10 to 15 years after the sketches and you had a whole new class of SNL people like David Spade and Chris Farley getting to do those bits that like I'm sure they watched SNL and were excited about. Yeah, it really seems like uh, the the movie adaptations got really big for a certain period, like in the in the late '90s to early 2000s. That really became popular for a while, and then they just kind of stopped. Like after MacGruber was the last one, I think that I remember. Um, yeah, MacGruber's we haven't really it. seen one in a while. They have not made one in eight years. Ladies' Man before MacGruber was a ten-year gap. Wow. Hmm. I actually really enjoyed Ladies Man. Um, I think the best derivative would be Good Burger because that's uh, in all oh, that come film. On. Oh, yeah. come on. But we're not talking about that. Um, do you guys, let's go around. I want to ask you guys, then, what's your favorite of these SNL movies or what do you think captures the spirit? I think, you know, Jacob said earlier, like, I would agree that Wayne's World is like the tops, but let me start with Colin. You know, wh- which one of these stands out to you as a strong entry? Here's my biggest question. To you guys, was Wayne's World maybe this the movie you watched the most at sleepovers? Like it's so special to me, Probably. guys, right? It's mandatory viewing, I think, for like American comedy culture, especially that era. Like I think everyone needs to watch Blues Brothers and Wayne's World, like at the at a minimum. But at the end of the day, Mike, I wasn't gonna be uh, an old blues man. Like I was not gonna go on the run and do a heist in a suit with my brother wearing sunglasses. But you know, Garth and Wayne were in a, a suburb of Chicago. You know, it's like Aurora. that's the Midwest, Aurora, Illinois. Like I could have had a cable access show. It just meant so much to me. Yeah, and if you think about like the the cultural impact of even Wayne's World, like everybody knows when to start handbagging, you know, to Bohemian Rhapsody. Like everybody knows, you know, that moment, right? I got introduced to Bohemian Rhapsody through that. Everyone knows, you know, Schwing and, uh, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's 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 super dope. Joe, what do you, which one of these stands out to you um, as like a strong entry? Or do, you, or do you prefer the sketches, if I may? Um, I mean, I prefer a lot of the sketches. I already said that thing about Coneheads. Wayne's mm-hmm. World's been covered. Instead, I want to talk about the one that I've never seen and just seems like a fever dream to me. It's Pat. I can't believe they made a movie based Easy off rent. Pat. Easy rent for the Brooks household. <laughs> when you're walking around the blockbuster and you get to the comedy aisle and they have a sticker that says it is based on Saturday Night Live stuff, easy pickup. Wow. Yeah, I did not. I never saw It's Pat. You didn't see Stewart. Julia Sweeney's gender dysphoria film that's literally <laughs> about her just going on a quest while this guy who's obsessed basically trying to kill her and have sex with her tries to figure out what gender she is. Uh, I, I just remember oh, fever dream. losing my mind at the end of this movie. Yeah, it sounds like you could stretch that uh, that sketch to 90 minutes easy. It's bad. <laughs> Well, if I can throw one out there, um, is, this isn't a SNL movie, but, uh, you know, the Lonely Island, uh, Andy Samberg and, and his crew, I think they did some of the funniest stuff during their digital short era that, like, can really beat anything today. And the movie, uh, a pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, I think that movie is hilarious, so underrated. Um, great movie. Yeah, and like we kind of exclude those from this ranking, but I think that's good. But I think definitely bringing up that digital short class because yeah. you have Jorma and Keeve and Andy Samberg as this like creative force. 
I'm like dick in a box and jizz in my pants and the yeah. Natalie Portman rap. And oh my God, my Chronicles, Chronicles of Narnia. Narnia. Those are classics. Yeah, I think those, those college. Are, they, those was are right up there with Samurai Baker. Yeah, yeah. I have a story about uh, Jorma. I was living in my old apartment, and then one day I woke up, you know, and this guy's knocking on my door, and I open up the door, and and he's like, "Hey, man, you got a vacuum I can borrow?" And I had lent my vacuum to my friend. So I was like, oh, no, I don't have one. I'm sorry. And I'm like, this guy looks really familiar. I don't know why. Close the door. And then it hits me that Jorma from the Lonely Island was living across the hall from me. And he was selling that apartment. And like he just wanted to vacuum it up. And I I never saw him again. But probably for like six months, I lived across the hall. Never. He probably wasn't staying there because he was like famous. Director of Land of the Lost? (laughs) Yeah. You know, but I was like, huh. So that's it. So Jorma, if you're out there, I'm sorry I didn't have a vacuum uh, on that day. But yeah, I'll put their digital shorts up against anything from any era as like some of the funniest stuff that SNL's ever done. I, I could, fucking, I could, I fucking love Popstar. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Guys. I'd entertain that argument, yeah, for sure. Um, Roxbury, I got a shout out because I watched that like on repeat as a kid, just like the whole nightclub angle. It's just so dumb. The silver and purple suits. Like that's my favorite, like you know, Chris Kattan, Will Ferrell. I think that's when yeah. I thought Chris Kattan was good. And then as I saw more and more mango, uh, not a quirky I, I was turned off. <laughs> but yeah, Mike, the, was the that one of the looks f- like the inside. <laughs> Mike, was that one of the first DVDs ever made? I feel like everybody owned night at the Roxbury. <laughs> it just was mandatory from the government. <laughs> Everyone had it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it used to be whenever I would go um, home for Christmas, we would have to watch Night at the Roxbury. It was like a tradition because we would always watch it with my aunt. So if we're doing yeah, final shout outs, not- you know, just if you've got like a, a favorite ones here still more, uh, I'll just say MacGruber. You know, I know that's the last one made. And again, you're talking about like what a thin premise, but it's a really cool action satire parody. So I haven't seen that, but I did like the MacGruber bits on SNL. Like I did think they were funny. So. That's a weird one because he's like a parody of a real character. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it's two steps derivative. So that's it's unique in that sense. Uh, it's I think wild that they actually pulled it off, man. You know exactly what you're saying. It's like, well, but by that point, we should just be making a MacGyver movie. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> we've got the joke of it, though. We got the right. MacGruber. I I think the ladies' man is is very entertaining too. I think uh, that one is excellent. Um, Will Ferrell's the bad guy in that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, anyway, I think that one deserves a little bit more credit. I think it's a great one. That's it for me. Oh, let me ask you this. So Jacob brought it up earlier. You know, just these sort of side ones. And again, if you just have like these big actors, because we should talk about there is an actor who was on SNL for one season, guys little guy by the name of Robert Downey Jr. Now, this was literally during the time that he's going through his troubles. Uh, and if you're saying, like, well, what's a movie that stars a Saturday Night Live actor that's, like, done well? Let me tell you, the highest grossing movie of all time, Avengers Endgame. Wow, so sure. the Muppets and the Avengers came from SNL. <laughs> no, how dare you, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. but No, it's true, he's right. Uh, but isn't that kind <laughs> of an interesting thing? Normies. I don't know. Like, if I had yes. to say, like, I'll ask you guys right here, like, just a, a side association. Like, if you if you just had, what's your favorite weird thing that came from it? I would say maybe even Ghostbusters. There were all those rumors that uh, you know Winston was going to be played by Eddie Murphy. Like, imagine that universe. Yeah, 
I do think it's interesting. Some of the, the cast members that were on for a very short amount of time that went on to become very famous, like Robert Downey Jr. I mean, you had like Joan Cusack on for like a season and like Julia Louis Dreyfus. That's right. That's right. So like a lot of, a lot of big names that didn't even stick around. Um, again, Chevy Chase and there's other ones I'm, I'm sure that I could think of, but, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. So um, I want to say this is a fun fact about Blues Brothers is at the time that it was made, it set the record for most cars destroyed in a single film at 103. Wow. Uh, there's a famous scene where all those cop cars just keep crashing and cra- yeah. it's like It's like a family guy, like, let's just extend the bit until it's not funny and it'll come back around and be funny again if we go long enough. And then in Blues Brothers 2000, they destroyed 104 just to break their own record by a single car. So I always like that about the Blues Brothers, uh, getting the band back together. Well, I crashed the conversation, didn't I? Oh, sorry, Joe, you were putting your hand up. Throwing to you. Uh, Yeah, um, we were talking about people who were on there for a little bit and then didn't last. I think there's a lot of writers that are worth mentioning, too, that like came and went. Like John Mulaney and his career wouldn't have taken off like it did if he didn't have his time on SNL. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, true. Even um, if you think about it, you know, Tina Fey was a head writer for a while and then she went on to create 30 Rock. So we really wouldn't even have 30 Rock without SNL. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's an SNL show. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, you know, that's a great show. So it's based on our experience working on the show. Yeah. I'm thinking about this big tuft of orange hair too, who ended up writing for the Simpsons. Oh, that's right. Conan O'Brien. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Conan, uh, had a stint on SNL. Yeah. He was a writer writer. as well. And again, Ah, as a writer, like, I don't know if you guys, we were talking about the cultural impact and stuff. The Comedy Central reruns of the Will Ferrell era, where literally the lineup was, you get home from school, it's 2.30. 3 o'clock comes on Late Night with Conan O'Brien reruns. That's an hour. Then you get edited SNL with Will Ferrell reruns. That's eh, pared down to an hour because they'd pull out some of the musical acts and stuff that they didn't have the rights to, and sometimes they'd just do like the best skits or whatever. And then follow that with Kids in the Hall, another Lorne Michaels-produced skit show that was Canadian. Mm. That's, you know, also like the origins of SNL was kind of this Canada US collab. So it's, you know, interesting that then you do, yeah, Kids in the Hall, which yeah, is strictly I, it just, Canada. It shaped my comedy senses more than anything. Maybe Monty Python thrown in there too. So, Mike, you're right. It is that like weird Euro connection of like comedians that are like, let's just get over to America. <laughs> let's, let's just get this thing <laughs> right. going, man. Yeah. And I mean, just my last thoughts kind of about the show is, you know, maybe it's not, I don't know if it's just like, there's not an appetite for that or is Netflix cutting into that? Cause stand up comedy is like bigger than it's ever been, you know? So is sketch comedy kind of on the back burner right now? That's kind of what I want to ask you guys. Um, Mike, it's I YouTube. love that question. Oh, damn you, Joe. I hate that answer. No, I refuse that. <laughs> I mean, Here's what I'll say. Even growing up, we had other stuff. I mentioned Kids in the Hall. We grew up with the era where other people on like IFC, like the Birthday Boys and the Whitest Kids You Know, like those were sketch Mm -hmm. groups who were getting their comedy dues. You do not see that anymore. Have any of you guys on Netflix watched The Characters, which is their attempt at it? No. No, it's terrible. I tried it. You wouldn't like it. No, it's awful. Uh, Well, yeah, like jumping off what Joe was saying, like I do think YouTube is a big part of it. And like, Vine. 
Yeah. And actually like I was thinking about it, like I don't even watch the, the actual full episode of SNL. I haven't for years, like even five years ago, I wasn't watching the full episodes. I was watching the bits on YouTube because they would just upload the different skits individually. Um, and so I just catch them all on there. And if one doesn't look that interesting to me, I just won't watch it. Cause there's always those, you know, not so good filler kind of skits in the episodes. So yeah, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live live for a good, you know, six years. Is that least. then the nail in the coffin? Is that its operative word is live. And for most cases, no one cares about live television. Absolutely. Not anymore. Unless it's sports. Live doesn't matter. Yeah, because I just get on YouTube the next day. I see, oh, these are the ones that people said are funny. I'll, I'll check those out. And then I watch those skits and I'm done. I could barring be watching my a, Vine comps uh, on Saturday night. <laughs> barring like a right. John Wilkes Booth event where somebody gets assassinated on Saturday Night Live, you're, what's the draw? Yeah, yeah. like why you get to tune see Kanye in? Have big freakouts. Yeah, yeah, you do tune in for those those yeah the Kanye freakouts or like I guess that's the equivalent of Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but those are so rare that like you know, you don't want to tune in every week just to, on the per chance that the musical guest might do something crazy. <laughs> so do we see it continuing to trend downward? I mean, careers now for comedy, it seems get launched more off a, a Netflix special than, than being on the cast. I did mention earlier how getting on SNL was like, you made it kid, go on and do big things. We talked about people who've spun off careers out of SNL. Is it a destination? Yeah, I do still think to a certain degree, like not as much as it used to be, but it is still a big deal if you get cast on SNL. And I think, I mean, you look at like Kate McKinnon, like she's going to eventually go on and, and become like, you know, a bigger movie, movie star than she is now. And I think that's the problem, though, is that like really, like I was saying, I'm not a super big fan of the current talent pool they have. And after Kate McKinnon leaves like they will be, they won't have like a star, like every kind of era is defined by one or two stars that went on and, and did uh, other stuff afterwards. And now it's just like, who's, who's really on that people are that know of like, um, you know, it's Kate McKinnon and, and, and that's really it. Now, uh, and Shane Gillis, I mean, the perfect example of this literally says in his letter of resignation, like I was good enough to get on SNL, like that's going to carry some weight somewhere. So you are right about that, Jacob. And the way that people put a stamp on somebody like Tim Robbins, who, who I'll do a shout out to his Netflix show. I think you should leave that 15 minute sketch. Show, that's some of the funniest shit ever made. Oh and that's my because God. I Netflix, love it. It's great, right? And that's because Netflix lets him be weird. Meanwhile, at Saturday Night Live, they're like, oh, you can't talk about Taco Bell like that. We're in the next skit, we're selling Taco Bell. Right. Or even in an earlier era, like Tim and Eric was on, you know, and it was way doing way weirder and funnier stuff than SNL, you know. But uh, yeah, it was like once once K McKinnon leaves, like, who are you going to like? Oh, Pete Davidson. Like, you guys all love Pete Davidson so much. I don't know, man. My favorite stand up. <laughs> yeah. No, he's all right, but it's just like they don't have like where's the Will Ferrell? Where's the you know Tina Fey? Where are these people? Chris Farley, Chevy Chase, you know yeah, John yeah. Belushi, right? Where are those guys? Yeah. Where's Mike Myers of this generation? I don't think we have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's an argument that everyone makes all the time, though, right? Like that is the quintessential SNL right. argument. Like, oh, it was better before. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think as long as there is a Tonight Show, there will always be an SNL. It's just kind of a staple of American comedy and and the scene in general. Yeah, it's definitely an institution. Um, 
I just don't see it's just not as popular with like the 20 to 30, like the 18 to 35 crowd, you know, and I don't really see it gaining more popularity unless they somehow just get like way better, funnier stuff. But it's just not capturing the cultural zeitgeist like it did, you know, in the nineties or in the seventies. Well, let me ask you one last question while we're still in the TV portion before we jump to the other sections here. Uh, will it die with Lorne? I mean, this show's been on for 45 years. He's a man who's getting up there. Will it continue if you guys are saying it's not something that catches the zeitgeist of this era? I think it'll still continue. Um, it's just, you know, a kind of a shadow of what it used to be. Depends on who, you know, is willing to pick up that torch and do they have a vision for it that could get it a little bit more on the same page of what uh, audiences are expecting now or, you know, the expectations of uh, this kind of younger internet generation. Maybe maybe that's shifting more digital. Like Jacob said, just watching everything the next day on YouTube is a way a lot of people do this. Um, I don't know. It depends just who the next torchbearer would be after Lorne. Yeah, I mean, you got Keenan Thompson. I think as long as he carries it, um, it's not going anywhere. Uh, Joe, Mike loves your answer. You want the merger of all that in SNL to finally come together. Well, they did Good Burger, and I love that. They like they brought it back that for that one time uh, sketch. SNL did a Good Burger bit. Yeah, and like I said earlier, they are uh, bringing all that back. Like they're rebooting it. So um, look forward to that. Yeah, all that's coming back. Uh, we'll see. You know what other kind of uh, future um, SNL has. But now I want to talk about some of the video game past of SNL related properties and games, and not. Pixels. I'm gonna miss. We're back. We're talking Saturday Night Live. We're talking about Saturday Pixels. We're not talking pixels, like Mike said, because again, that's a uh, associated Adam Sandler property, even though it's starring all his pals, blah, blah, blah. But no, we're not talking Saturday Night Live. Uh, and we're not talking a good burger video game either, buddy. So again, I hate to let you down. Ah, dang it. Dang but it. we do basically just have the two video game properties that have been made from Saturday Night Live. You have Blues Brothers 1993 made by Titus, which was a video game company that mainly made computer games, but they did get a port over to consoles like it did play on Sega and uh, Super Nintendo as well. And then you had Wayne's World, same year, 1993, made by THQ. Oh, THQ, where are you now? What an interesting um, past, Mike. That really stood out to me, too, where I was like, wow, an actual developer was working pretty hard on an adaptation back in the day. Yeah, have uh, either of you guys seen these? I've been watching the... You sent over some long plays. I was taking a look at them. Uh, Joe, Jacob, you take a look at these? No, no, I haven't seen them. They're basically collectathons. One is where you're playing Jake and Elwood. Oh. You're running around collecting blues records. It's like a Mario-like platformer where it kind of has a Donkey Kong element where you can kind of one can pick up the other and there's a little bit of teamwork. And then Wayne's World is you're just running around as Wayne. It's actually a, a pixel art, actual like image of Mike Myers' face and he's got a guitar. Pixel it's, art, it's disgusting. It's, it's, about as, it's about as bizarre as the Beavis and Butthead game if you've ever seen that. <laughs> uh. It's very weird. So Mike, they're just platformer collectathons. Mike, do you have any experience? I rented the Wayne's World game. I love this game as a kid. You? 
I didn't play these at all, mm. but I played many games like them. Okay, so I said love, super hyperbole. That means one weekend rent with divorced parents. That meant I could transfer it over to two houses, so basically got to rent it twice, beat it, and then probably never played it again. Uh, and by beat there it, I go. mean probably just use some sort of password or cheat online. <laughs> but this was, uh, can I talk about this? It's Wayne and Garth want to raise $50,000 to save their show from going off the air. So they organize a pizza event and then they're just putting a show on and it has nothing to do with that. Awesome. So all this running around, <laughs> jumping over fire and uh, shooting things with the guitars unrelated. Ooh, but oh, they have Mike, like- uh, let me ask you this. Sorry. And you were about to say, you just said shooting out of a guitar. So you play as Wayne the entire time. You never get to switch to Garth. It's super annoying and you don't get to pick like how stupid is that? But Wayne is holding his guitar and uses like sonic waves to blast enemies. Is that the first game mm-hmm. that ever did that? Probably, yeah. Devil May Cry probably copied them uh, in Devil May Cry 3 when they gave him a guitar. I've not seen a guitar weapon before this, so Kingdom I think we we'll give him full credit. Oh, yeah, Kingdom <laughs> Hearts. Yeah, we'll give him full credit. <laughs> is, yeah, why no Garth? They have these weird cutscenes, though, where it's like a still frame from the movie, you know, just in 16-bit with like yeah, speech bubbles. And, yeah, so. and it attempts to be skits where it's like little backgrounds of them on the couch shooting the show being like, oh, we're doing this, blah, blah, blah. Here's a joke. And it's like, you can tell that it's not associated with any of the crew members and Mike Myers had no fucking idea what they were making him say. I mean, it's just, it yeah. comes off lame and lazy, guys. They had THQ's head writer on it. Come on. Ooh, wow. <laughs> it's a high marks. The Blues Brother ones looks at least somewhat... Uh, like they have like cartoon stylized Jake and Elwood. They get power ups and really buff. That one at least has this of the two. It's the most polished, I think. Yeah. And it kind of looks like the really old Grand Theft Auto game, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, the Donkey Kong. I, I don't know. Also, they're in a mushroom kingdom. So it really it's, makes about as much sense as the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, so if you're into that, get an I'm NES not. emulator. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm basically just reminded of the scene in Wayne's World 2 where Garth wears all the product placement, and he talks about how it's like a totally normal thing while you're playing the video game. Think about that. Yeah, Uh, we would never sell out. Thumbs down here, guys. Yeah. We do also have, though, you know, SNL did do a skit on Fortnite. I guess that's worth uh, discussing. um, Yeah. Totally. Again, that shows the ubiquitous nature of it. Uh, And it is terrible. It's Mikey Day. Hello, fellow kids. It's, oh, hello, fellow kids material for sure. Uh, it's Mikey Day who's most famous, you know, in in our circles back in the day for those weird David Blaine YouTube reaction right. skits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very strange. And then uh, Kylo Ren's in this one too, yeah. though. Adam Driver oh, is yeah. the, uh, the host for that episode. Oh, I have seen that. He's like a dad. And he's like, I'm trying to connect with my kid more, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to yeah. learn how to play this Fortnite game. Yeah. Speaking Super of, funny, speaking of Kylo, Ren, Kylo Ren here, wasn't the... Uh, Kylo Ren, undercover boss in SNL Digital Short. It was. Oh, yeah, yeah. that one. I like that one a lot. That was very Yeah, funny. so that's another Radar like, one. Radar Tech Matt? What is it? It's Matt that's or it? something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they still do the digital shorts, but I don't think, like, they're not at the quality that they were during, like, uh, the Andy Samberg digital short air was, is unbeatable, but they still do do them. Some of those songs were, like, number one on iTunes downloads. Like, they, they were massive at that time. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all the the games related to no, SNL, as you'd expect. Again, There's not really a lot going on. No, Mike, we're not going to talk about any of the like uh, Super Nintendo Muppet games, because we'll do a Muppets episode, guys. So, you know, as far as our Absolutely. downloads here, sorry, SNL, you don't have much fare. I'm surprised, just to do a little tangent real quick, 
why wasn't there a MacGruber phone game where you get to like do a quick pick of like, you know, you need this, this, this to dismantle the bomb. Touch, touch, touch. You know, like how fucking easy is that? Get the duct tape and the clothespin and yeah, do do the whole gimmick. Yeah, I guess, but I guess they're just not that interested. I mean, did they work really hard on MacGruber? I never saw it. Oh yeah, it's great. But again, are, are we past that time where it's like, look, we're Saturday Night Live. We've got this much money to spare, even though it seems like Lauren's a multi-billionaire. And you're like, well, why? You're more interested in doing TV stuff like Portlandia or producing the late night TV series than, than making movies. But what would you guys say is a skit that deserves video games, comics, and movies? The the David S. Pumpkin movie, <laughs> like you know, it's like like <laughs> oh, like no where David are we here, yet. guys? It's like I, I I couldn't even imagine that. That's for the Halloween episodes, Colin. David S. Pumpkin. Sam Rye Baker, just go and chop up cakes. It's yeah, simple. They could have made the it. In I'm saying current skits, Mike. Name a current skit okay, that recurs <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. This isn't current, but I will I will pitch you on a movie that I think should be made. Oh my the God, Andy yes. Samberg. Oh, the Andy okay. Samberg, Justin Timberlake team up of those two characters that they have a three Just part going around fucking women. <laughs> dick in a box. Uh, yeah, you got dick in the box. You got a uh, mother lover <laughs> and <laughs> you got you got another one. I can't remember. But those characters, they make a movie about them. Why not? I think it was about Why sweaters. Not? Maybe the third one. <laughs> They had uh, always warm. They had one where they had a threesome with Lady Gaga, but I don't remember what the. Oh, that's was. right too. Yeah, no, I was down I think for the yeah, point was probably though, just to have a threesome with uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, right. Mother Lover. You got Susan Sarandon. You know, you could have her. Patricia Clarkson, baby. Oh yeah, easy. Yeah. Just the money on the poster yeah. by alone, you get your gate sales. Yeah, no just problem. those two guys wearing the same those glasses and the the track suits or whatever that they had, like. I'd go see that. Okay, and pitch me the mobile game that's a side-scrolling <laughs> Street Fighter with cool pixel art where they literally have boxes on their dicks and they, like, remove yeah. them and lasers shoot out and they, like, beat up guys. Why not? <laughs> you, you open stop it trying to, to get people to enemies. pitch you mobile games. It's, I'm, I'm doing Do you it. really want to get a mobile game off the ground? All right, well, you know, Saturday Night Live is known for its sketch comedy, but there has been also uh, stand-up comics. And speaking of comics, this oh. is the best transition we've ever had. How, how is the easier one not sketched comedy, Mike? <laughs> sketch comics? <laughs> I guess. I'll have to go back to the drawing board on sketch comics. Oh, brother. We're back. We're talking sketched comedy. That's right. I am taking Mike's cue. We're talking Saturday Night Live in the comics. Um, I sent you guys over. There's really the big one. Did you guys get a chance to read this? It's called Marvel Team Up 1974. Marvel Team Up Issue 74, released in 1972. It's Spider-Man meets the not ready for primetime players. And that's all on the cover. That's all, you know, advertised. Yeah, you got the yep. Samurai Baker himself right there. Front and center, Spidey swinging in the background. This seems like the most bizarre. I'm looking at Dan Aykroyd. This is wild. How did this come to be? Oh, uh, it's cocaine two New York staples, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you get a chance to read the issue, just to give you a breakdown, how did it come to be? 
because of Stan Lee's ego. Like, who is hosting Saturday Night Live in the issue? It's Stan Lee, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Starring, starring Stan the Man Lee. <laughs> he was swagging in the 70s, man, I tell you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and Rick Jones is the musical guest. Like. Yes, which is so hilarious. Uh, and Rick Jones, if yeah. you guys don't know, is the Incredible Hulk sidekick. And then he was Captain Marvel's sidekick. We're talking the man version. Uh, then he was, in his own right, Abomination. Like he, He's like a very weird Marvel character that they always tried to make happen. Like Imagine if in the original Marvel run, you had Captain America, Thor... And Jughead from Archie was also like one of like the frequent characters where you're like, why the fuck do they keep trying to make Jughead happen? Yeah. Oh, well, and you man. get the you get the Silver Samurai in this issue, so there's also like X Men. I just wish Dazzler would have shown up for a second too. Yeah. Really, just oh, run yeah, the dude. So, on so it. the yeah, plot is they're about to go on. Peter Parker, like Joe said, New York staple. Peter Parker is there. He's in the city. MJ wants to go see the show. He's like, yeah, all right, I've got tickets. Let's go. They go to a live taping. Meanwhile, backstage, Belushi gets a letter from Japan from a fan who has sent him a magic ring to keep safe from the Silver Samurai. Silver Samurai <laughs> knows that, appears at Saturday Night Live. And kind of the best art I've ever seen him drawn. I don't know about you, Joe. I think he looks fucking it's, incredible. It's really pretty in good. This yeah. issue. And he, he does he look just, pretty rad. Yeah, he, it's, it's yeah, like I'm looking at it now. It's like some pretty of the cool. best Ninja Turtle stuff you've ever seen. Like he's like a shadow in the background, like fucking Shredder, and then he fucking confronts and he's deadly. Like it's awesome, dudes. And you've got jokes like Mike said, the Samurai Baker goes up against the Silver Samurai. That's great. You got Jake and Elwood talking to. Um, Jonah Jameson, you know, with their fake FBI badge. <laughs> Can I ask one question, though? So, as I said, Stan the Man Lee is the host of Saturday Night Live. Then, in the show, backstage, while uh, Belushi's getting ready and all this other stuff is going down, you have Gilda Radner and you have Lorraine Newman getting ready for a Marvel skit where one of them's going to appear as Thor and she's going to appear as Miss Marvel. Like, what is Stan Lee famous for? He draws these people's adventures that actually exist in the real world. Like, like Spider-Man is a character on Saturday Night Live. Who the fuck is Stan Lee? <laughs> That's a good point. He's, it's he's just an existential crisis is what it is. So, so I'm looking at the last page of the comic, and I like how they have the traditional bit where they all come out at the end, but it's like, you know, the, the, the cast, and then there's Thor there, too. Jacob, do you like how the pitch for the next issue after this one is Spider-Man teaming up with Luke Cage for the first time, and then you realize it's like, wait, he met the Saturday Night Live players (laughs) before he met a character in the Marvel Universe? It's like, how fucking popular was Saturday Night Live at the time? Um, Speaking of the cast and comics, the last thing I want to say in this section is uh, Seth Meyers is like a huge comic book fan and has had Brian Michael Bendis on his show a bunch. Him and Bill Hader actually wrote a Spider-Man story. Yeah, Chip Sardeski too. Um, And and him and Bill Hader wrote a Spider-Man story where it's like a classic guy wearing a Spider-Man costume gets confused for Spider-Man. Really fun stuff. I mean, it just goes to show that like, you got all these creative people getting together, and, and yeah, of course, some of them are going to be in the comics. Of course, they're going to have crossovers with the comics. It's very cool. Yeah, you, like, you never know who's, who's going to dip their toes into the comic world. It's like Gerard Way, you know. Oh, that would be badass so you, you, if, if he was drawing well, you, the title cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so no, that's like you know weird things like SNL is so like its tendrils spread so far that even it reaches the the comic book page. Whether it's uh, presenting the actual um, characters for or the the actual people from the show, or you know people ending up writing stories for famous you know Spider Man. While we're in the comic section, I want to pose one last question to all of you. Will uh, the guy who we pointed out was a former cast member before, Robert Downey Jr., the highest paid actor of all time, ever return to host the show? He never has. He considered it a very embarrassing point in his life where he really was not happy. Can he get over that? And again, does it show whether or not it is like a zeitgeist cultural touchstone thing? Jacob, like, what's your opinion on that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess he could come back at some point. Uh, and he'll have the gauntlet. He'll do the snap. <laughs> I mean, we've had Jeremy yeah, Renner not? did a Hawkeye bit. He's the only one who's been on. You know, uh, Captain uh, America yeah. hasn't hosted. Mark Ruffalo's Paul Rudd before, has. hasn't he? So you got Ant-Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Paul Rudd, yeah. Scarlett Johansson's hosted, too. Yeah, but, I guess uh, she did a uh, Scarlett uh, or a uh, Black Widow bit. Black Widow, yeah. Um, I think, you know, Robert Downey Jr., he seems to be distancing himself in general from the whole Marvel. Like, after he was done, he's like, I'm done. Like He's so, not done. He's doing one more appearance. Oh, well, yeah, that's like a flashback or something. Nobody really knows. But, like, he had this whole article after he was he was done where he's like, I want to focus on, like, serious dramatic roles now and stuff. So I, I don't know, but I don't really see him coming back on SNL. Well, SNL is part of your press tour. Like, you know, it, it's very possible he could show up to promote his new project while also taking a piss out of the Avengers just for fun, you know? Yeah. I would say if it's not this season, it probably won't happen. Uh, I think you're mm. right, Joe. He might not. He might get bored of, uh, you know, not being talked about. Like, yeah, I'll just go do SNL. We know he's he's got a very funny Twitter. Again, he was on the show, and like Mike said, it's like he's in the perfect position to literally be like. I'm like three months away from like making a joke out of all this anyways, where you could be like, oh, wow, you know, it works. Or he just made enough Marvel money to be like, I don't have to speak to anyone ever again. <laughs> it's my <Yeah>. island. <laughs> yeah, it's my island. I'm out of here. So who knows? Robert Downpayment Jr. That was terrible. I'll see myself out. No, we'll see in the uh, the wrap up right here, buddy. I think that's the perfect lead to it. Yeah, I'll save us a seat. Yeah, man. Oh shit, Aquaman! Aquaman's you're here. here. <laughs> you got Can jealous. Of, here? You got jealous of Iron Man. How's it hanging? I'm David Pumpkins, and I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. we're back we're wrapping it up uh this is what they call the 10 to 1 you know it's the 10 minutes to the last sketch uh where things get the weirdest where will forte sort of sort of made his bones uh we're wrapping it up talking saturday night live um you know final thoughts here from colin i'll say this again we talked about the political stuff up top it sucks it sucks that comedy and, like Jacob said, just cancel culture, that culture in general just seems so wrapped up in what's the right thing to say, what's the wrong thing to say. I would say comedy has none of that. 
But if 90% of the people in the room aren't laughing, you didn't tell the joke right, buddy. So, I don't know. How about you, Jacob? Final thoughts on SNL? Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And uh, I think, you know, I was maybe a little harsh on current day SNL, but I, I do want it to get better. But I just feel like it's not like I think the, the invention of the Internet or like the way that we interact on online now is so much different than even in the early 2000s that it'll never reach the heights that it had previously. I, at least in my opinion, I don't really see that happening, but I do want it to get better. Um, but I gotta say like, it's, it's at a, it's at a real low point. I know people say that in every era, but I like the early two thousands era, but this is just, hmm, I don't know. So sorry, SNL. All right. Well, this is Mike here. My final thoughts. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who's listened. Normies appreciate you sticking with us through this uh, conversation. You know, in medieval days, only the jester was allowed to make fun of the king uh, Ah. without getting his head chopped off. So I think comedy needs to be one of those vehicles where people can kind of walk up against that line and not cross it. But it's a way to start dialogues about uncomfortable topics. So I think we everybody kind of ease up unless something's overt. You know, that's all I'm saying. Uh, I think comedy needs to be a place where all subjects are on the table as long as you do it appropriately. Uh, That being said, thanks again. And this has been Mike. Joe, last thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, SNL to me is a institution of American culture. It's not going anywhere. It's a celebration of getting the funniest, most creative people in the room. And it has led to some of my favorite things of all time, like the Muppets and, and Ghostbusters and all kinds of great stuff. Um, hopefully I can continue the tradition of watching SNL with my family just like I did when I was a kid. So that's my final thoughts. Thanks everybody for watching. Thank you to the cast and crew. To, I want to say to thanks to my Bobby Monahan, uh, Tattoo. You know, I, just, <laughs> yeah. I love you guys. You know, thanks to everybody uh, here. Sinead O'Connor. Thanks to, thanks to my mom. Yeah, thanks to Sinead every night. Sarah Palin. Unconscious West. We really appreciate Aquaman. Jacob's team. Oh yeah, brother, we're here for it. So glad you showed up. Thank you, Aquaman. We love you, man. Thank you, Kanye. I love you, Kanye. Good night. Thanks. Big shout out to all the Kardashians. Good night. We love you, Pete. We love you, Pete. Get checked out. (laughs) I'll never forget you, Pete. Hell yeah, this is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. We brought it back around. Guys. I'm going to keep the old Perfect. You got it. You got to keep all that. That was great. <laughs> we did like almost 10 minutes on that. That's like nine more than That's I like, shoot. <laughs> Yeah, guys, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta go. <laughs> like, I got, I got 15 minutes on comics right here. Get ready, guys. I hope not. <laughs>